Alrighty. Record. Mm, recording on my end. And mine. All right, let's start the thing. Ichabod and Mr. Toad in three, two, one. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. We are officially in October, which means we are officially in the spooky season. And we are kicking off the spooky season with the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Honestly, Mr. Toad doesn't really... The Wind in the Willow segment doesn't really fit into Halloween, but the Legend of Sleepy Hollow segment does, and that's really why we're, and that's why we're kind of putting it at the beginning of the month. Yeah, this is our crossover. It's transition. Yeah. So the story of the, so we're going back into the package film era, the wartime era. The anthology film era, whatever era you want to call this, that era of Disney where a good chunk of the animation team was off fighting in World War II and they were just doing whatever they can to put a movie together to release one every year to stay in business. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things where like. Thank you for going off and punching some Nazis. You know, we love that here. Um, But this was definitely, and we've talked about it before, uh, not the greatest time in Disney history. Yeah, and at least some of these package films made an attempt to put some sort of framing device with these uh with these shorts to kind of go around some kind of theme like melody time and make my music were surrounded over around different types of music um saludos amigos was all cartoons about south america and then you get fun and fancy free which is um we have two ideas for movies that don't work as full-length movies uh, we're going to put them together for you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we've already talked about Fun and Fancy Free. And, you know, we've we've talked about uh, when they would return to the package film when they did Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. But that wasn't until the 70s. And two of and, you know, they, they, those were already completed cartoons that were already released years prior yeah they just repackaged them to make a little extra money um but this was kind of one of their weirder ideas i think because these two things have nothing to do with each other except books yeah that's the framing device of this movie is that we're in a library and we have two different narrators talking about their favorite literary characters. One and is, the, the narrators could not be more different. Basil Rathbone, who we've talked about before, when we talked about Great Mouse Detective, of course, 
he's probably best known to a lot of people for his work as Sherlock Holmes. Um, of course, he was in one of my favorite movies, The Court Jester with Danny Kaye. Um, but the, you know, he's representing the English, English as English as in England side of the the literary canon. And then on the other hand, we have Bing Crosby, best known for singing a song with David Bowie. <laughs> it's the only thing he ever did. Don't look it up. The uh, the thing is, is I'm not sure you could have a worse narrator for Sleepy Hollow. I'm trying to think of a worse narrator for Sleepy Hollow. And he does half the characters' voices. And doesn't really do much of a job in, in changing his voice to make the characters sound different. And the thing, yeah, the thing is, and, and we'll get to it, they decided of the two of these films to make the spooky story, the one with the lighthearted Bing Crosby soundtrack. Yeah, I mean... If if you're thinking, we've got the option to turn either The Wind in the Willows or The Legend of Sleepy Hollow into a crooner Bing Crosby soundtrack, which one of those should we do? They picked the one you shouldn't. Yeah. And we'll we'll get into that, but just know that that's what lies ahead for you, dear listener. So yeah, as part as terms of these package films, like these two were not supposed to be a movie together. That was not the original plan. The original plan was to take Wind in the Willows, from my understanding. Hold on, let me see. I, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Yep. So they were gonna. The original idea was to take the wind in the willows, combine it with Mickey and the Beanstalk, and a a short story called The Gremlins, which was written by Roland Dahl, specifically for this movie. And then they were, and that was supposed to be a movie called Three Fabulous Characters. The that is the worst possible name you could give a movie. Come watch some guys. That's like <laughs> now the Gremlin story never made it into production. Disney would take this story and produce it as a book and release it, but the cartoon never happened, obviously. They would go in a different direction with Mickey and the Beanstalk, get, go with uh, Bongo, the bear, and go as fun and fancy free. And then they were going to do this, Winning the Willows and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, originally going to be releasing it as two fabulous characters. 
That's a worse title. Come watch a few lesser guys. I, I don't know. So, obviously, they changed that, and they went with the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Now, Disney once, as we've talked about this before, when Disney has an idea, they never throw it away. They would eventually use this name as for an episode of the Disneyland TV show, the Walt Disney show, in 1957. And it was going to be called Four Fabulous Characters. And it was going to be the combination of the Brain Visioneer, the Martins and the Coys from Make Mine Music, Casey at the Bat from Make Mine Music, and the Legend of Johnny Appleseed from Melody Time, and put that as a TV special based on American folklore. Go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, so Disney, Walt got his way and had his had his fabulous characters title, but uh, it's not a good title. It's not. And I'm glad they didn't use it for this movie. And it feels and the thing is, the fabulous characters title seemed to have gotten so far. It's actually in the script for this movie because the narrators, both of them talk about and use the term fabulous characters quite a few times in this movie. So it feels like this was a late change. And especially when you go to the opening song of this movie, which is just the, the stock Disney singers just singing Ichabod and Mr. Toad, Ichabod and Mr. Toad over and over again. Must have taken five minutes to write that song. Yeah. Oh, speaking of things that Disney never throws away. Uh, Disney wanted to do a longer version of The Wind in the Willows. Uh, more recently. Mm. So, you know how we keep talking about the fact that Disney keeps wanting to do movies with Guillermo del Toro and it never quite works out? This is going to be a recurring theme this month, just spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, yeah, so they wanted to do, back around 2003, a Wind in the Willows adaptation with Guillermo del Toro directing. It was going to be CG live action mix. And Del Toro walked away from the project. And when asked why, he said that he had met with the, the executives in charge of the project. And they looked him dead in the face and they said, we want you to give Toad a skateboard and make him say radical dude things. And Del Toro went, ah, thank you for your time. This is not the project for me. Is that why we never got Del Toro's Haunted Mansion movie? Oh, that's different. And uh, we might get to that. Spoiler alert. I have things to say about that. Tune in later, folks. So, yeah. And, I mean... How many Legends of Sleepy Hollow movies have we gotten? I mean, I am guarantee you one of the people listening to this 
podcast, whoever you might be, dear listeners, probably thinking of the Tim Burton version. Well, I mean, it's it's actually one of the better versions. We got at least one TV show mm-hmm. out of the premise, which started out pretty good and then kind of veered off the rails. Um, so there's, there's been a lot of adaptations of it. This one is pretty well known, of course, because, you know, the, the, this is the studio everybody knows, but I'm going to tell you something. This, uh, as far as Wind in the Willows goes, this book has had a lot of adaptations in the UK, um, including some that have had, like, you know, former doctors from Doctor Who, um, live-action film written by one of the uh, members of the Monty Pythons, okay? That one technically is a Disney co-production. Yeah, um, but the only reason I know about this book is because of this short, it's technically a short, um, and which I don't think I had actually, like, once I sat down to watch this for the rewatch, I don't think I had ever seen this. I thought I had because I have seen the Ichabod portion a lot. And I think I had only seen the Ichabod portion a lot because it's pulled out and played a lot during Halloween. Mm. So I had seen that quite a bit, but I don't think I'd ever seen the Mr. Toad portion because none of it looked familiar to me. So if I had, I'd seen it when I was a very little kid and just completely blanked on anything that happened. Because of char- none of it looked familiar. Some of the characters have been reused. We talked about this. Uh, Rat and Bat, Rat and Molly were used in uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. They probably used the uh, character designs in other an- animal cartoons. Obviously, the weasels were in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. But as far as the, the storyline and stuff, none of it looked familiar to me. So... The only reason I know Wind in the Willows is because of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. The Disney ride. Yeah, the the Disney ride, which I had only been on at Disney World in Florida. Which I found out while doing the research for this does not exist anymore. It's a Pooh Bear ride now. Which sucks, because... If you actually go into certain parts of the the ride and you look at the right place, you can actually see a picture of Mr. Toad handing the deed to Toad Hall over to Owl. Um, the uh, interesting thing is there's also now a statue of Mr. Toad in the Pet Cemetery at the Haunted Mansion um, in in Florida. Uh because he he is he is no longer part of the the park, really. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is very still in Disneyland in California. The Winnie the Pooh ride replaced the Country Bears. 
in that park. Yeah, um, and that's kind of the that's kind of sad because the Florida version I found out now the last time I wrote it was before the internet, and so it was difficult to find out things like this pre-internet. Um, and of course, when my parents took me and and stuff, and um, they wouldn't have known like little park secrets like this, you know. Um, but apparently there were two different versions of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, depending on which line you got into. One track would take you through different scenes in Toad Hall, depending on, and the other track would take you in different rooms. So depending on which line you got into, you would get a slightly different ride before they would merge together for the last part of the ride. Um, But the Disneyland ride apparently is exactly the same. Uh, Everybody gets the the same ride. Mm. So they took away the more inventive uh, version. There was actually some 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 protesting over that when that did happen. There were people protesting outside the park, save Toad campaign. But the problem with that is that the protesters were also paying to get tickets into the park to protest. And Disney doesn't care what you do when you're in the park because you've already paid your ticket. Yeah. Um. The uh the interesting thing about the the ride though is that it it does take you through Toad Hall, and then it takes you into basically hell. Yep, you go, you ride the, the motor car through Toad Hall outside, you go head-to-head with a train, you're hit by the train, and then you go to hell, and you are judged for your sins. <laughs> The fact that the judge from this short is portrayed as Satan in that ride and judges you and sends you to hell. <laughs> and, you know, as a as a kid, I kind of thought it was weird. Of course, you know, remember, I was I was brought up as like a very religious child. So, you know, that hits a little different. But, you know, finally watching the short that inspired the ride I kind of understand what they're going for because watching this short was like going through hell. (laughs) It's not good. Also, the entire premise of the ride is kind of cut out for the short. It's apparently in the book that Toad, like, actually has some sort of, you know, big crash um apparently he crashes like multiple cars and ends up in the hospital a bunch and like his obsession with cars because cars are new at this point and he sees one that's the whole point of this short is that toad is very rich and because he has so much money he just keeps giving in to fads and wasting his money on fads 
and to the point to the point where he's almost bankrupt, as they say in the short. Yeah, and uh, Badger, McBadger, the Scottish Badger, is his bookkeeper and is trying to save Toad Hall because Toad is really bad with his money because he keeps spending it on random fads. And while Toad is driving his uh, Vardo, which is a Romani carriage that he's gotten into now, like that's his latest fad. So cultural appropriation and uh, he anyway, he sees a he sees a car for the first time and then he's like, "Ooh, I must have a car and shenanigans ensue and he ends up in jail. Yeah, it's I don't know if the book is better because it goes into more detail about like how all this happens. Like they spent a lot of time on the courtroom scene. Which I get it what they what they're trying to do here, but it feels like like the courtroom scene could have been half of the length that it is in the short. Like, we never see Toad riding in the car, which is kind of the point of the story. Like, every every version of The Wind in the Willows, every adaptation of The Wind in the Willows always is showing Toad in the car. And we never see Toad in the car in this short. It's like, I'm going to get a car. Even if I have to beg, borrow, and toad arrested for stealing a car. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that the whole thing comes down to they don't believe he's stupid enough to trade Toad Hall, which they say is worth like 10,000 pounds. Now, remember, this is supposed to be in the early 1900s. Um. For a single motor car. Okay. So. Um, a. Ford Model T. Which is kind of the American equivalent. Of what he's buying. Okay. Right about that time. When it came out was about $830 at the time. Okay. In, in then money in, in the U S 1905 money. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it was like in ni- 1909 or something. So yeah. Um, so that's that's what we're talking about. Less than a thousand dollars. But then versus, at that time, at that time, a thousand dollars was a lot of money. Well, yeah, I mean, versus an estate worth at least ten thousand. Mm-hmm. That is what he is supposed to be trading the weasels that have the unbeknownst to Toad stolen car. Okay, so you hear that now, and you go like. Well, he's trading a $10,000 house for a $10,000 car. You know, we'd consider that okay. 
that's not the prices we're talking about. We're talking about something at the time in that money. You know, he's trading something worth more than 10 times the market value. And and, 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 and they do have to stress this, that because of his fear, fear of, uh, because of his reckless spending, McBadger has cut him off from his finances because just to to try to save some kind of face for his financial for his finances. So he literally does not have any money on him yet somehow is carrying the deed to his mansion. No, no. They say he wrote the deed up. He he pulls out a piece of paper. He gets a piece of paper from the bartender. And he writes up a deed. And he has the bartender sign it as a witness. Mm. Because they they show him writing up a deed. And the the um the horse even attests to it. Um so that's that's what he he does. He writes it then and there because he doesn't have any money, but he writes up a deed to Toad Hall, has it witnessed, and then gives it over to the weasels. By the way, I really do not like this this weasel slander. As a ferret yourself. Yes, as a as a ferret myself. Mustelids are wonderful, wonderful creatures. We get a bad rap. We are fine. <laughs> you can trust us. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing is though is that like Toad goes to jail and then he's like, oh, I'm reformed, and then the horse shows up and he's like, oh, I brought you a dress. You can just walk out of here, which is really dumb and then he's on the run and then it's christmas and like i don't know then he gets a new mania because that's the thing because that's what ratty says he's got motor mania and then all of a sudden he has escape from jail mania then train mania then then plane mania and then yeah i don't know yeah, they go through. I mean, they also spent a lot of time on this chase sequence over the deed when they finally get back to Toad Hall. And we find out the Toad has been framed because the leader of the Weasel Gang is the bartender. And they framed Toad for stealing the car. And See, it's the one human in there that you can't trust. It's you not the Weasels. Tr- it's the human. Don't trust humans. Don't trust humans. That's all I'm saying. And yeah, it's, it's the the I think the short I mean, the chase scene is a little long for what it is. And a lot of it is just a lot of sight gags. Again, words can't really describe it because a, a lot of it is sight gags. Morally, there is one sight gag in there that actually got a. Like full chested laugh from me. Hmm. Which is at one point, like one of them hits one of the weasels, and the clothes on the weasel keeps running. That's a trade. I mean, that, but yeah, the, it, it, the weasel stops. Like the hat and the the shoes and the, gloves. and the gloves and stuff keep running, but the weasel has been stopped by like getting hit. 
that's a that's a Looney Tunes gag, and I do I do appreciate. It. But like, there's a part where Molly is running down the hall, and he turns out he's just crashed his face first into a mirror, and there's the whole sliding wall bookcasey thing, and that goes on way too long. But 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 yeah yeah. When in the willows, I mean it's. I've seen other adaptations of it, and uh, this is not the best adaptation of The Wind in the Willows, because so much of the story is cut, and they waste so much time on on gags. One thing I do like at the beginning of this, though, is they go into various uh, characters from British literature, and... While it probably wasn't thought of that at the time, most of these would eventually get their own Disney movie. Because the narrator goes, you know, who is the greatest character in British literature? Is it Robin Hood? Is it King Arthur? Is it Sherlock Holmes? Is it Oliver Twist? And I'm sitting there going, all of them got Disney movies. Except the one character that, 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 that um, of the characters uh, that the uh, that that the narrator list that did that did not get a Disney movie, Becky Sharp. I don't know how Disney's Vanity Fair would have been, and I don't want to know what Disney's Vanity Fair would have been. Yeah, not really that interested. But it is kind of funny at in hindsight most of the characters listed as some of the greatest characters in British literature were eventually did get their own movies in, in some sh- form or fashion. Yeah. I mean, there's just not much to say about, about when in the willows is short there. I, 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 yeah. Other than toad is a very eccentric rich person that gets into fads and doesn't learn his lesson at all our hero everybody yeah the moral of the story is that rich people don't really suffer any consequences for their actions and never learn their lessons actually that's a pretty good moral to teach children I mean, everybody talks about the Disneyfication of things and how Disney sugarcoats the world, but this is actually one of the more realistic morals we've ever seen in a Disney movie. <laughs> Especially during the Walt era. Yeah. <laughs> so when we get to the 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 um the Legend of Sleepy Hollow part, we also get a couple of American literary characters. Paul Bunyan, Pecos Bill, Johnny Appleseed, all of them had had Disney shorts or would have Disney shorts within the next few years. So yeah, it, it 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 is that you know it's kind of like going back to to um, Pinocchio and seeing all the books that are on the shelf. Oh, there's Cinderella, there is Sleeping Beauty, and they all became Disney movies later on. 
So it it, it is kind of uh, fun to kind of look at those characters. Oh yeah, hey yeah, they 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 were planning ahead. Blah da da. But yeah, they're they're uh, one last one in the willows bit. Uh, as you mentioned, Kiki, there was one with Eric Idle and and uh, Terry Jones from from Monty Python and. That was a co-production with Disney and was released in America as Mr. Toe's Wild Ride because Disney didn't think that the average American would know the story as the wind in the willows and would only know it from their parks and their ride. Which is very weird. Anyway. Uh... Let's 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 get on to the next segment here, the the the, the wind in the willows. Um, I'm gonna. Yeah, I mean, you you did have one thing that you that 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 you did say, Bing Bing uh, Bing Crosby Bing. Yeah, I can say his name. Bing Crosby, not the best narrator for this particular story. I don't know who you would have gotten because this is like we're still in like the 1940s. What 1940s celebrity would have fit this as a narrator, in your opinion, if you, if you, if you can even think of one? I mean, just keeping Basil Rathbone would have been really great. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I think they wanted one from each representative country. You know, you have your. Yeah, your, your... I mean. Honestly, you get uh, Vincent Price is is really big at the time. Boris Karloff? Um, well, Karloff's not American, but yeah. Um, I mean... It's, I mean, there's, there's lots of, um, you know, kind of horror personalities at the time that would, would have been better for this. But the thing is, is that this really, here's my problem with this. This really isn't a... A spooky story until right at the end. When you when the headless horseman actually shows up. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say something about this film in general. This is a film that is about I think it's an hour and nine minutes according to Disney Plus. About ten minutes of this film is worth watching, in my opinion. And I'm going to say the 10 minutes or so that are worth watching is the song about the Headless Horseman up through the end of Ichabod's story. And the first part of Ichabod's story is so disconnected from the last part that you do not need to watch it. The beginning does kind of foreshadow Ichabod's 
uh, superstitious nature. Because even though he's walking with a book in his face, he's you, you think he doesn't know where he's going. He has the wherewithal to avoid walking under a ladder. And other, you know, he again later we see him spill the salt shaker and throw the salt over his his shoulder. And that's what gives um that's what gives what's I I I'm I was so out with this with this thing I didn't even know the little characters. And you know, it it gives Brahm the idea to tell the, the story of the headless horseman. And it's really weird how they characterize Ichabod because the first part of this of, of Legend of Sleepy Hollow, he comes in and they go through great detail on how he looks different. He looks like a scarecrow. He's very tall. He's very lanky. He doesn't look like any... He looks different. He's a different-looking person versus the rest of the Sleepy Hollow citizens who are all either... Who are all, like, burly, beefy men. And they all, you know, they all drink their beer straight from the barrel and whatnot. And Brom is, Brom is like... The town hero, the 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 Gaston before Gaston, as it were. Well, I was gonna say, if you wanted to know where they got the idea for Gaston, I think this is probably one of the inspirations later on, mm-hmm. because most of this story is just two guys fighting over a girl. And I will say this, at least in this version of the story, I actually. Do like that Katrina is fully aware of this. Like she's not some star-eyed damsel. She's fully aware that these two men are fighting for her affections, and she takes full advantage of that. Now, this is not the first time we've seen that in a Disney cartoon, so I'm wondering if one of the animators or one of the writers or even Walt himself has some sort of issues with women. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that it's kind of from the original story a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is the most eligible woman in town. Um, so she knows. And they're very upfront that Ichabod just wants her for her money. Yeah, I was going to get to that because we kind of go complete 360 within five minutes of meeting Ichabod Crane that, oh, he's the school teacher, he's the different one, so they're kind of making fun of him because he's different. No, he's a very superfluous, um, not superfluous, um, um, I'm trying to find the right word, and it's not coming to me, and my brain is farting, and I can't think of the, super, there, superficial. You know, within the first five minutes, we go from Ichabod being the new school teacher who's kind of ridiculed because he looks different than everybody else to seeing how superficial he is because he's giving good grades to the students who have the best lunches. And then he goes home to them 
and eat and swoons their mothers and gets good cooking. And then he meets Katerina, and then she has a rich father who owns a farm. And then she falls in love with Katerina because of her money. So this is supposed to be like, again, this is the main character of this story. It is literally Ichabod Crane. Which, again, considering that we also have Mr. Toad, who's also a very not good person, it's kind of wondering why they decided to make this these shorts about these two characters, focusing on them as the main characters. Well, I mean... The thing is, is that it is a, let me get my thought together. The thing is, is that this is just kind of how things went, you know? Mm-hmm. This wouldn't have made him unlikable to the original readers so much. It's like, well, of course, you know, he wants her for her money. Who wouldn't? You know, mm-hmm. get that come up, you know. Um, Because Brom wants her for her money, too. Hmm. But the thing about Ichabod is that he's an outsider and he's odd, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely certain. If Washington Irving meant us to like Ichabod Crane at the time he wrote it, you know, Mm. he is overly superstitious. He. He. Um. He's talked about as being like ingratiating to the locals and stuff. And, you know, there's that thing about that they show in the short about giving good grades to the the students with the the tasty lunches because he wants to go over to the the house. He. He is known to gossip with the women. You know. Mm-hmm. It's not a very manly. Pursuit. And despite <sighs> his. Very lanky appearance. And big ears. And big nose. He kind of becomes. A bit of a ladies man in the town. 
Like yeah. all of all of the women kind of swoon to him. And at least in this version of the story, it's because he sings like Bing Crosby. Well, and he's he's a very good dancer. He's a very, you know. He's effeminate. Let's just put it that way. Whereas Brom keeps wanting to just like show up and be like, hey, let's take this outside. Let's go a few rounds and whoever wins gets the girl. And that's not the sort of man Ichabod is. Because he's an intellectual, as he even says, he's smarter than these country bumpkins. Yeah, so I I think that there's a lot of that in the story. Um, and I I've never been sure when when reading the uh the original story if i think that given what we know about kind of the the washington irving stuff i think maybe part of this was supposed to be like the the local people might have been given getting one over on him this has always been one of the ones that you you've never quite known if this was some of the locals playing a prank on the guy who thought he was better than them or if it was actual supernatural stuff yeah let's kind of go into that last 15 minutes of of this thing because that's where it really gets into it because it's halloween night and this is before trick-or-treating before costumes and candy where uh, everyone is just just going to the local barn and having a dance and there's food there and they're just getting together and they're gonna tell some scary stories at midnight and whatnot and Brom is just angry because Katarina has been it's been dancing with with Ichabod for the entire night and he's trying to get trying to get uh, to her in some capacity. Oh, the thing we hate. Brom is really upset because a a, a fat woman is into him. Ew. Yeah. Screw you, Brom. And he he asked She's her to dance. She's kind of cute too. Yeah, but like did. they do the they do the whole like oh my own you know like they they do yeah. that whole kind of thing. Because no one wants to dance with the fat woman. So when when someone is when someone anyone asks to dance with her, she is all up in that. Yes, yes, a man wants to dance with me. Come and take me. I'm yours. Which, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
But anyway, we finally get to the late night and they're going to start telling some ghost stories because it's Halloween. And we see that uh, Ichabod knocks over a salt shaker and he throws the salt over his shoulder because he's incredibly superstitious. And this gives Brom the idea to tell the story of the Headless Horseman. And we get that great song. You can't uh, you can't reason with a headless man. Which is the only good song in this. It's actually a pretty decent song. It would be better had it not been sung by Bing Crosby, because I think it takes away some of the weight. Because the animation is great, and it's just his voice just kind of takes some of the scariness out of the song. Yeah, the, this song sung like in a different style, I think would be like really fun and a good Halloween song. But this is also that 1940s Disney era where we don't really want to scare the kids. We want to make this a fun family film. And that kind of that kind of cuts cuts the song even cuts the shorts legs out because yeah clearly, but, clearly, but clearly one... the the animators are having fun with this with the way they make brahm look like sadistic and during the song and the and how much they make ichabod look fearing with the sweating and just like he would rather be anywhere else but there but the bopping song and the the backroom singers, uh, the backup singers, just are not. It it the the two tones don't mesh. Yeah, and you have like everybody else in the room is listening to this story, and they're like, "Oh, the old headless horseman story, oh Brom," and then Ichabod is like, "Absolutely brown trousers time," you know, like mm-hmm. he is he is just terrified of this story and what's so funny is is they show everybody else in the room including i love um katrina is just laughing so hard you're like oh yeah (laughs) headless horseman they told us that story when we were kids yeah i love this story tell it again yeah So, but uh, it it is a good it is a good song, uh, despite the the tone. I like a lot of the, um, I like a lot of the the rhymes in it. There is one kind of racist thing that would hopefully be changed if they did it today. Yeah, um, but. It's it's not the worst thing ever in a Disney movie, so you know. Um, but it's not, it's not what makes the red man red. Yeah. But the um, the thing is, is that they sing the song, and then 
we finally get to the actual spooky part of the thing. And this is what I wanted to talk about because this is really the best part of, you know, the whole the whole thing. So when I was watching this, <coughs> excuse me. When I was watching this, I had forgotten a lot of the particulars because it has been ages since I have seen this. And I'm pretty sure that when I was younger, they cut this down to basically just the good 10 minutes. Like this is a 40 minute short. And they would have to cut at least 10 minutes out to fit it within a 30 minute or 25 minute or 22 minute television uh, television slot. So it's possible that they just cut 10 minutes out of this cartoon when they aired it on TV. And they also probably because I remember seeing most of my memories of this cartoon is from disney compilation halloween specials and they don't show all of the cartoon in those special like disney's halloween treaters and something like that and they'll only show maybe five or ten minutes of the cartoon so you only get this part yeah and honestly i'm kind of okay with that because th- this is the the best part um, like I said, the Halloween party up through kind of the end is really the only part of this that's kind of any good. Yeah, Ichabod full of superstitious fear, and I like that. You know, in his in his fear, you every creature in the forest is sounding like they're saying his name. The 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 frogs croaking sound like Ichabod Ichabod the crickets chirping Ichabod Crane Ichabod Crane the the crow going by beware 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 okay so here's what I want to talk about let's talk about all of the things Ichabod does wrong in this situation because um we have some rules down around where I live. And a lot of times you'll you'll hear these as like the rules for living in Appalachia, but honestly it it's just kind of it's a little more pervasive than that. So I've spent a lot of time in and around Appalachia. Um, but honestly, this is just kind of what you picked up growing up where I grew up. Um, so let's talk about all the things Ichabod does wrong as he's going home in his fear of the headless horseman. The first thing he does is he's on his horse. And he's on the trail, and he enters the woods, and what does he do to keep himself calm? He starts whistling. He starts whistling. 
Tuesday. What do you never ever do in the woods after dark? I don't know. I don't go into the woods after dark. <laughs> well, that's smart. Smart boy. But also you live in a city. So <laughs> uh, you never ever whistle or sing in the woods after dark. Ever. Ever. Because, uh, yeah, you, you don't want to you don't want to summon anything to you. So, mistake number one there, Ichabod. Now, I'm going to say, these rules have very practical, natural reasons to them. But also, you know, a lot of people are like, well, there's there's some supernatural reasons, too. Um, a lot of animals... That would harm you in the woods. If they hear the sounds of humans. And they they have ever come across a human. Or they just don't know what a human is. They'll be wary of that. And they'll walk away. Okay. So you can talk to yourself in the woods. You know. Like in a normal conversational tone. Because there is nothing that frequents the woods naturally that sounds like that. You know, there's no animal that has a conversational human tone except a human. So, you know, a a bear or a bobcat or a coyote or something hears that. They're going to be like, either... I know that's a human and I'm going to stay away because that's bad news. Or I don't know what that is and I'm I'm not going to risk it. I don't know whether that's predator or prey. So let's let's not. OK. However, birds and there's some other prey animals and stuff that make whistling or singing noises. Yeah, they might come check that out. That's your natural explanation. Supernatural explanation is you you don't want to summon stuff. Okay. So don't be whistling or singing in the woods. Bad Ichabod. Bad Ichabod. Talk to yourself. Don't do that. So the second thing he does wrong is he takes his eyes off the trail and starts staring into the trees at roughly eye level height. Do, do not do that. We don't look into the trees. Especially two glowing orbs looking back at him, which, in, granted, end up being fireflies. But it could have been a lot worse. In Never ever, of, if, if you're, if you find yourself, yeah, if you find yourself in the woods at night, which, you know, maybe don't, but if you find yourself, especially alone, in the woods at night, you keep your eyes down and on the trail, or you can look up, like, up, up towards the sky, up into the foliage. But anything from about two feet to eight feet, you do not look into the trees. Once again, natural and supernatural explanation for this. The natural explanation for this is you don't want to catch the eye of anything predatory. Okay? 
And from about two feet to eight feet, and yes, bears on their hind legs can get up to about seven and a half or eight feet, depending on the size of the bear. Um, you don't want to catch their eye. Catching an, a pred- predatory animal's eye is a challenge. It may charge you. Okay? If you see eyes looking at you, you do not want to look back. Okay? Again, there's a, you know, if you give in to the supernatural, there might be other things in the trees that are much more difficult to get away from than, you know, a bobcat or a cougar, you know, something. Hmm. Um, But if it's if it's some sort of predatory animal, you do not want to, you know. Um, So you want to you want to keep your eyes on the trail. You do not want to be staring into the trees, which Ichabod keeps doing. And he keeps keeps catching the eyes of all these other animals. Okay. Um, the other, the other rule he breaks is if you hear something, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't hear it. He keeps hearing stuff calling his name and he's acknowledging that he heard it. He keeps looking around toward the thing that was calling his name He's it's obvious that he's getting scared. He's speeding up a little bit. Okay, now it shows us that it's like a frog or crickets or whatever, but you know cattails hitting the log. Yeah. But you know, if you hear something, no you didn't. If you thought you saw something, no you didn't. You you just you just keep walking. Don't acknowledge it. Again, natural, supernatural, both. You know, if it's a if it's a predatory animal, you you don't want it to tweak that you're scared. Because no fear. <laughs> well, because it will make it give give chase. Hmm. Um. The next thing he does wrong is he goes off the trail into a cemetery. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter where you go off the trail, but yeah, I mean, cemetery. But, you know, if you're in the woods and you don't know where you're going, like we said, he's not native to this area. He's brand new to the area. Stay on the trail. If something happens to you, people are going to come looking for you on the trail also, if you step off the trail, you may never find your way back onto the trail again. That's how people disappear. Um, and then one of the worst things he does is he keeps speeding up and running. Now, okay, once he spots the headless horseman, you actually do have something you're running from at that point. I'll give him a pass on that. Okay. If there's an actual threat, all right, fine, you can run. But if you're just scared and trying to get out of there, walk, don't run. Again, natural, supernatural explanation for this. The sort of things that run are prey. And if there's a predator animal in the area, it will give chase. 
it'll be like, ooh, pray, and then it'll start chasing you. So unless something is actively chasing you, don't run. Um, it's less likely to give chase if you seem calm and unafraid and going about your business. Um, also, even on a trail that is well marked, there's rocks, there's stumps, there's roots that might be poking up. And if you don't have a good source of light, you don't know what you're coming across. It's much easier to avoid or catch yourself if you stumble over one of those things when you're walking rather than when you're running. If you're alone in the woods, you don't have good cell phone signal. You don't want to, like, fall and get broken legs or anything, okay? Especially if you're riding a horse. Well, yeah, that too. Once that horse goes down and from that, he's probably not going to get back up. Well, yeah, and if you get thrown from a horse, you're much more likely to get seriously injured than if you, you know, fall over just yourself. But, you know, um, unless there is something actively giving chase that you can see, you know, like if you're actively being chased by a bear, okay, you can go ahead and run. But, you know, if you're just like, oh, I think I heard something, I better speed up. No. No, you don't. Just walk at a pace. Keep your eyes on the trail. Try not to slip and fall because that would be worse. So, yeah. Safety tips for navigating scary situations in the dark, in the woods, where something natural or supernatural may or may not be coming for you. So, basically, you idiot. He breaks all of the horror movie rules. It's not horror movie rules. I'm talking about if you are out in the woods with me, I will make you follow these rules. Hmm. And I spend a lot of time out out in the middle of nowhere in campgrounds and woods and nonsense. So, you know, let's let's kind of go to what we mentioned earlier. Is this a supernatural event or is this just the locals screwing with Ichabod? Because every time I see this story, regardless of what version of the story I'm, I'm looking at, unless it's specifically stated to be a supernatural thing, I might first guess the first time I ever saw this cartoon, it was like, Brahm is screwing with Ichabod. He's dressed up as the Headless Horseman. Brahm's horse is a black horse. So it's quite possible he's riding his horse with his costume on, trying to scare Ichabod. Because he knows he's superstitious. I mean, Disney kind of made it a bit more maybe. Because he does stare into down the neck of the headless horseman and sees nothing there. So maybe. But still, who knows? The the thing is, though, is that um, the a lot of Washington Irving stories 
really do have um supernatural elements like it's very obvious that there is something supernatural going on here legend of sleepy hollow is left open-ended the locals are adamant that ichabod is dead (laughs) was taken away by supernatural means In the original story, the reader is kind of left with a lot of clues that maybe Brom scared off Ichabod. And some people think maybe Brom just straight up killed Ichabod. Get rid of the the competition. Yeah, but also... The the story kind of suggests that Brahms more like just kind of like a, a minor bully rather than like a murderer. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's the kind that would just harass you rather than, you know, beat you up and leave you in a ditch somewhere. Um so in the original story, the reader is left between two options that are mostly equal of, do you want to believe that Brom put on a costume and scared Ichabod off so he could have the girl because he couldn't just like challenge him to a fist fight because Ichabod wasn't that kind of guy. So he finally outwitted Ichabod in a way. Or, Or is it an actual supernatural tale? I do love that they that even if this is Brahm in a costume, even if it is Brahm, the Headless Horseman still abides by the story's rules. Because the story's rules say that once you cross that bridge, the Headless Horseman has no power. And the Horseman stops right before that bridge after Ichabod crosses it. He throws that jack-o'-lantern right at its face. But he never crosses that bridge. So your guess is as good as anyone else's. But I must say the animation in that final like 10 minutes, the animation on the Headless Horseman is beautiful and still holds up. Yeah, it's it's really a well animated sequence once it gets into the the party, you know, once the final song where Brahm is trying to scare Ichabod and then the going through the the woods. Mm-hmm. 
So that part at least is good. Like I said, you know, this whole thing is like you wait an hour for that final 10 minutes. Pretty much. But that but final it, 10 minutes is really good. Yeah. So, like, they... As you said, the locals believe Ichabod Crane was spirited away by the Headless Horseman because he was never seen again. From that night, no one has no one seen or, or heard of Ichabod Crane ever again. So the locals believe that he was spirited away by the Headless Horseman. Now, they the 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 cartoon and the story gives us the presumed ending that he just ran off, married an old married a widow and had a bunch of kids and he's living his life somewhere else. But the locals persist that no, 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 Ichabod Crane is dead and the headless horseman killed him. Yeah, I mean, there's there's it says in this cartoon, at least, that. There are rumors that Ichabod just kept running and ended up in another town and married a wealthy widow and is now just, you know, happy and rich and eating well with the widow and all her kids who look just like Ichabod. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I and then we get the closing of the book and then the power goes out in the library and then the narrator says, I'm getting out of here. And then the movie ends. But I will say this, one of my favorite, if I take in terms of shots in the movie, one of my favorite shots in the movie is Ichabod looking up at the sky and the clouds forming a hand covering the moon. I, I don't know why, but that's like my favorite shot in this whole thing. It's just so well done and plays into Ichabod's own fears. Yeah, it's it's a lot of good animation right there toward the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was like two different teams, I think, that worked on the two different segments of this. Mm. And honestly, no offense to the team that worked on Mr. Toad, but I do think the team that worked on Ichabod was slightly better in the animation department. I love the... Yeah, I mean, you know me, I like cute animals and everything. Mm-hmm. But I really love the character designs for the Sleepy Hollow segment. I mean, that Ichabod is, like, absolutely iconic. Mm-hmm. When you think of Ichabod Crane, to me, that's the, the version that comes to my brain. Tall, lanky, big nose, big ears. I mean, because that really is kind of how he's described in in the story. Mm. I mean, some of that that they read in, you know, that Bing reads for the narration is how he's described in the story, just verbatim. Mm. 
So I thought they did really well on that. And uh, like Mr. Toad had Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in the parks, there is some park representation of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, mostly during Halloween season. Uh, I recently went to Disney right at the beginning of their Halloween season. And in California Adventure, they have this big statue of the Headless Horseman. And uh, I did get a picture of it during the day, but at night it looks really great because there's like glowing effects and the pumpkin lights up and there's some like light coming from the, the, the gap in the neck where there's no head. So it, lo- it looks really cool. And during the Halloween parade, they actually, ha- right before the official parade starts, the pre-show, if you want to call it that, they usually have a, a person dressed as Ichabod Crane walking down the parade route, scared stiffless, as the Headless Horseman is kind of galloping, not running, but, you know, because it's a real horse, you see, galloping with a person dressed as the Headless Horseman with the jack-o'-lantern in his hand, kind of signaling that Halloween is here. And I do like that they have that that bit of representation in the parks during the Halloween season. Yeah. I I really like the the way that they did the version of the Headless Horseman. Mm-hmm. And the fact they have that guy in, in this getup obviously having this thing over his head to make it look like he's headless and finding a way for him to actually control this horse as it's going down this parade route and it's a real horse so yeah but uh let's ask the question kiki does the adventures of ichabod and mr toad have the magic 10 minutes of it does i will i'm going to have to agree with you on it most of this movie is as there's a lot of nothing happening here. And I feel like they could have done so much more with both stories. And they just don't because Disney isn't there yet in terms of really going into what these stories are about. Especially in the Sleepy Hollow. They, they're, Walt's still alive at this point. So we're not going the full horror aspect of the story. Siren. Like I said, Disney isn't there yet. Like, they cut so much out of Wind in the Willows to fit it in that 30-minute slot that that a lot of what... And they fill it... They they cut so much out of that that, that Wind in the Willows segment in terms of, like, like, Toad actually driving the car and all that. And they just fill it with a lot of sight gags and courtroom drama that really probably could have been cut down and Disney isn't at the point where they really want to go full horror yet with with their stuff yet because again Walt's still alive so he doesn't he wants to keep it family friendly and he doesn't really want to go you know it, it, horror isn't the Disney way and I feel like that 
handcuffs the Legend of Sleepy Hollow segment. Like that last 10 minutes is great. And if that segment had lasted longer and we had gotten to this point a little faster than going through 30 or 40 minutes of Ichabod and Brahms rivalry over Katrina. It would have been better, but yeah, I mean, like I said, my familiarity, my, the version of this that I'm more familiar with is the cut down version that they do for the compilation specials that they used to do back in the day. Disney's Halloween treat and all that, where they would show a very, very short version of this. That just gets the good parts in. So, yeah, I'm going to say n- 10 minutes of magic, but as a whole, it, it, it doesn't have it. I'm, I'm sorry. I really wanted to do this for this one. And yeah, it just doesn't. It, just watch the last 10 minutes of the movie. That's that's just it. And, and you, you watch the best part. That's it. Uh, anything else? Nope. I'm good. All right. All right. Let's. We are. All right. So that now we move on to next week. Uh, keeping the spooky, the spooky season going. We are going to be talking about. The. Um, I'm trying to change the mic my ear. As of next week, foolish mortals, we'll be talking about the haunted mansion. N- not the recent movie. We're, we're we're going to be talking about the 2003 haunted mansion movie with Eddie Murphy. I'm sorry in advance. Hey, it's got to be done by someone. Might as well be us. Yeah, yeah, let's see if we can, what we can come up with uh, to talk about this version of the Haunted Mansion movie. And uh, so, yeah, come back for the 2003 Haunted Mansion movie, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.